Hi, and welcome to Producer Says What. My name's Pierre. I'm at Hopetown Sound in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and it is mid-December, and we are in the middle of all the holiday insanity, and right now in the studio, it's just Mix Factory. Um, Country artist Matt Friedman has tons and tons of mixing to do. He's about to release his debut EP, and he has a full-length LP right behind it that's already halfway through production. And um, his guitar player, uh, Matt Dorsey, just did a live show near here in the Newtown Theater, and they multi-tracked that show, and we we're already and we're mixing that. Uh, so there's a lot going on. Um, I guess uh, in terms of gear, the latest update is uh, I've ordered an SSL X desk. Uh, this is the cute little eight-channel uh, summing desk, uh, and actually it's eight faders. Uh, every channel is dual, so it's actually 16 inputs, and then there's uh, two stereo um, effects returns, so it's a total of 20 inputs on Mixdown. And the idea with this is it's an extension of the API console that uh, we're already using, and so this would be like channels 25 through 32, basically. And the interesting thing about this uh, little board is it has the same architecture as the summing section of the API box, which is it has an insert uh, for external effects. It has, and then the aux sends are the same layout, which is one stereo send and two mono. So it just, you know, it 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 should slip into the overall production, um, you know, format pretty easily. The API has uh, an external insert input um, or summing input rather. So it's designed to take another mixer like this. Um, and it's interesting. It's going to be fun figuring out how to integrate it. It's two different flavors, the SSL and the API. Um, one thing that's really fun about it is um, the uh, SSL, the mix bus, has its own insert. And, um, and not only does it have an insert, but that insert apparently... Um, can do a parallel, so you can you can. There's like a mix knob, you know, into how much of the return of the insert you want to use, which makes that whole little mixer ideal for being a drum sub mixer. Because instead of right now, I'm using this, the aux send on the API to create a drum bus. Uh, with if I did it on the SSL. Uh, I wouldn't need to use an aux send. You know, I can I can simply um, just do drums on that, throw a compressor on the mix bus, and still do it parallel that way, which is really really convenient. And that frees up my stereo aux send on the API for actual effects. So that's pretty cool. Um, I, I did a lot of research, looked at all the different options. For a little while, I was pretty hot on the. Um, API 8200, uh, which is an eight-channel summing rack unit, uh, but for a few reasons, one being that it was discontinued for more than 10 years, um, and two, um, you know, there was a question about the power supply. Um, yeah, everybody who's selling them doesn't sell them with the power supplies, and it just got, and, and frankly, it didn't have any faders, you know, it's just, it would have been all right, but the SSL was a much more natural fit. Um, 
with actual faders, mute and pan and everything on each channel, it really will just flow right after the API, and it, sh it should be a good solution. So um, I'm really looking forward to that. The motivation to add these channels was these crazy mixes um, that I'm doing for, for Matt Friedman. We're, we're getting tracks from various Nashville studios and producers, and um, some of them, you know, the ones that are live bands, uh, it's a pretty reasonable track count. Um, and really the API can handle those by itself, but he's also using producers that are taking a more pop approach and we're getting like what are, what are more typical, um, you know, drum tracks that would be on a hip hop track or something. Yeah. Where there's like four, you know, three kicks, four snares, five hi-hats and yada, yada. And like, yeah, the track counts of more like 60 to 80, you know, per song. And, um, for those you know, even with summing, even with grouping, 24 channels really isn't quite enough, you know. Um, and then there's the other thing, which was API very slyly left out putting any effects returns or aux returns on the box console. You know, this was a very intentional move, you know, to sort of cripple this unit that so that I think people would go up to the uh, 1608 uh, console, which I understand, you know, whatever, all's fair, you know, but, um, yeah, I didn't go into this blind. I knew that was the case when I bought it, but, uh, you know, here's a solution where, you know, this, uh, this SSL not only has these extra eight channels, but it has two stereo, uh, aux returns as well. So that solves my problem, you know, with effects returns and, and it puts off for at least a little while, uh, if ever needing to go up from the box console, because um, otherwise I'm really happy with the box. Um, so that's kind of what's going on in terms of uh, the work that's being done right now and, and the gear stuff. And um, so that's all well and good. The reason I wanted to do a podcast right now is actually has nothing to do with gear. Um, so, <laughs> you know, I was uh, scrolling on Instagram, um, and there was a real uh, clip of um, uh, Billie Eilish, and and she and Phineas was there too, and they were in the studio, and and they were showing that that you know one of her vocal takes or on on a song. Uh, there were eighty that she was explaining what vocal comping was, and she was saying you know, look, this is very typical. And on this song, we had 87 takes, you know, that had to be, you know, blended to make the final, you know, track. And, um, and it just got me thinking about how not only do non-musicians not really understand, you know, this side of production, but even musicians, you know, uh, and singers, singer-songwriters, you know, I mean, it happens all the time. I mean, I get singers in who get frustrated if they don't nail something in three takes. And, um, you know, and that it's very common, actually. And, you know, it got me sort of, my it got my brain going on, um, you know, everything that has to do with the topic of, you know, um, singers having unrealistic expectations of themselves or also having, um, you know, feelings about uh, different studio techniques, you know. Um, 
you know, vocal comping is, you know, is one technique that, you know, I've never met anybody that, that was against comping. Everybody seems to understand that that's, you know, standard and has been done in vocal production since the invention of multi-track recording. I mean, the Les Paul and Mary Ford, I mean, I think he was comping tracks then too. But, um, so that's well understood that that gets done. But, you know, so let's take it to the next thing, which is, you know, very sensitive topic, which is tuning vocals. And, you know, I've had lots of singers uh, come in with very, very strong feelings about tuning. And, um, and the other side, too, uh, you know, people who, you know, like, re you know, rely on it very quickly. And, um, you know, the thing about uh, it's like anything else, you know, uh, the extreme views are usually mistaken in some way. Um, and, you know, the people that that feel very strongly against vocal tuning, you know, I think that comes from. It comes from an, uh, an internal insecurity. It comes from not from wanting credit for their talent and not wanting to perceive, be perceived as not having talent. And you know, I empathize with that. I, I understand they didn't do all this work to not get credit for it. Um, but it's it, it's deeper than that. Like you know, like the, the people that really have a chip on their shoulder about it. It's really that they're, I mean, the way I see it is like, it's really, an, it's, it's an insecurity. It's that I think somewhere inside they've got an imposter syndrome going on and they don't feel like, you know, they have the talent. And so they're, they're really in there to prove it to themselves. And so the minute you have to tune anything, it's like it's like confirming their worst fears about themselves, you know, that they actually believe, and um, you, you know, and I think it's important to say that out loud. And if you're one of these people, I really hope you'll consider what I'm saying here that that this is an unrealistic point of view. Um, and you know, look, getting pitch correct is great, you know, and. Is it, a, is it a skill and a talent? Yeah, sort of. But is it really the art? You know, I, no. I, I think really unequivocally, no. Um, mainly because, you know, I can do that. Like, I can fix pitch. Yeah, I've fixed some horrifically off <laughs> vocals <laughs> and made them in tune. And, you know, what everybody would agree on is that does not make them great performances, you know. And so if you can agree on that, yeah, you know, that being in tune doesn't make it great, then you should also be able to agree that being out of tune doesn't make it bad either if you can fix it, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not, um, you know, I mean, you don't want to put us put a performance out there that's you know that's wrong when you don't have to you know um also you know let's get into like the subjectivity of what's right and wrong you know um that's another matter altogether but let's just say quote unquote right is the artist's intention right so you didn't hit the note you meant to hit okay so you know i can fix that right 
so the question really comes down to, um, y- you know, if that can be fixed, did you get what you really wanted, which was to get an emotional impact, to move people, to 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 have a passionate performance that really conveys, you know, the the feelings of the song, and that reaches people on an emotional level, and very often times. You know, uh, I, I think what gets confused is that a bad pitch can interrupt that emotional connection for a listener, but in the midst of a performance, it doesn't necessarily. Like you can get a really great performance that has a few notes that are sharp or flat and whatnot, and and the best singers that I work with realize that. And and then you know, so you go in and then you nudge them up and down and. And, you know, um, I mean, frankly, uh, the artist I'm working with the most right now, Matt Friedman, is amazing about this. He's great. Um, and he totally gets what's what's important. And he's a great singer. You know, like we, we have performances from him that, that don't need any tweaking. But when they do, he, he doesn't freak out about that. Um, and, you know, he's great about realizing, you know, what really matters. And I just wish everybody was, you know... Um, and it's interesting to draw some contrasts, you know, and then you get it, you go back to non-musicians and the way they perceive everything. And it's like, it's funny because um, I think singers uh, are held to a different standard. Like if, if, a, if, a, if something's tuned or, or even comped, you know, to a lay person that doesn't really understand the process, it's phony or fake or they don't have talent. But actors are not held to that standard. You know, if, if, if a scene is shot a hundred times and comped and, you know, and there's a little CGI to, you know, make them a little thinner or make them whatever, you know, or put a little, you know, rosiness in their cheeks or whatever it needed, nobody cares, you know, and everybody expects that it's done, you know, and, and really, and in a very healthy way, everybody really only cares about, you know, was it a good movie and did it move me and, you know, um, and 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 credit is given where it's deserved, which is to the actor. And you know, it's not. You know, I mean, people appreciate great costumes, lighting, and cinematography, and all these things, and they give awards for them. But at the end of the day, if you know, there's a great performance, everybody talks about the actor and the great performance, as they should, because reaching people that's the true talent and you know whether it's enhanced by technology or not you know nothing can nothing can inject that like either either the person is a great artist you know or they have or they're on their not not that they're not but there's they're in the process of becoming one let's put it that way that's a nice way to put it right um but if they are a great artist and they can move people um that's the part that really counts and it's the same for singers and you know frankly uh if there was such a thing as a really horrendously off-pitch vocal that had all the emotion and really was moving um, I don't normally hear those two things happening at the same time, but if there was, that would be, and it could be fixed, that would be fine with me anyway. Um, you know, there's there's nothing objectively wrong with that. So, um, you know, that's that's an important and interesting thought and something that I think artists need to take into consideration too. Um, you know, uh, it, it's... Uh, 
at the end of the day, all that matters is did you move people? And so, uh, you know, with that in mind, I mean, you know, the same people that freak out about tuning a vocal couldn't care less if I replace, you know, a snare drum with a sample and tune that or, you know, or, you know, do other things to make the music sound better, work better, be, you know, and, and ultimately, it's again, it's about having an impact, an emotional impact. So, um, you know, hopefully some, some food for thought there. Uh, and, you know, the other thing, obviously, um, this is a small point that most people that are doing music production are already aware of, but, you know, auto-tune is not the only... It's, it's become like Band-Aid. It's become the generic uh, term for it, but it's actually a branded software and, in my opinion, not the best one for transparent tuning. Um, that's, that's a software called Melodyne, which does a better job of being... Of, of, of the unnoticeable work, put it that way. Uh, auto-tune tends to be favored when uh, in pop situations where they actually want the effect to be perceived. Um, so that's sort of an interesting distinction. Uh, there are people who are good, at, who are skilled with auto-tune who can, who can do it in a less obvious way, but that's not usually why it's chosen. Um, but anyway... Yeah, uh, just again seeing that that clip uh, of Billie Eilish just got me thinking about you know some of the really extreme reactions I've seen from artists in the studio, and you know um, I just I just wanted to address that and hopefully help people you know just find their priorities on this you know um, you know the priority is is moving people. And to that end, I would also say that that point of view also informs my preference for not copying and pasting vocals. You know, uh, particularly, it's very popular to do this uh, with the choruses of songs. You can't do it if the lyrics are different, obviously. But, um, but on, you know, a lot of, particularly in pop production, people will sort of, you know, get one chorus to, to the point excuse me, that they're happy with it, copy it and paste it to the other two or whatever. And, you know, to me, again, this is about having an emotional impact. And while a chorus does serve to uh, reinforce both a melody and a lyric and be a hook, just because it's structurally repeated does not mean it should be dynamically repeated. And I hope that is a distinction that's clear and makes sense to people. Um, one of the things I've talked about for a long time is that a song should have uh, a dynamic arc. It should have a dynamic range to it. And it should never be dynamically flat if you can avoid it. You know, you should always be, you know, adding or taking away something, you know, in the arrangement and in, in the delivery. And it can be very, very minimal. And it's fascinating to see when it's really, really minimal, like when the only thing they've done differently is, you know, is add an extra hi-hat subdivision or something. You know, th that can be very interesting when that's all it is. But, but it's so important to be aware of that, to be aware of not just blind repeating. Um, because, you know, my analogy for that, this is a movie, you know, where, you, you know, if you go back to the same 
um, scenery, you know, the same room or whatever, it's critical that on the second visit to this, you know, to that environment, that it's not the same shots, you know, that you, you want, you know, you want to change, adjust the lighting, adjust the angles, adjust everything to the change in mood, the change in emotional impact of the different scene, you know, and, and you want, you know, you want structural growth, although that can also mean coming down or taking away. Um, and it's the same thing in a song, as a, and it's much more, you know, a song, uh, a pop song is compact. It's three minutes or whatever. So it's even more important that you have this, this dynamic movement. Um, so uh, I'm always on the side of, of mixing it up and, and, and making things, you know, uh, change and move dynamically and, and contrasts, you know, are, are so important. Um, and so uh, that's it. All right. <laughs> that's my producer talk for right now. Uh, thanks, everybody. I hope everyone has a safe and wonderful holiday. Um, you know, it's another year of the, the latest strain of COVID running around. Uh, and, you know, last year, you know, I got it. And my family got it when I did a, a Christmas gig. And we're doing the exact same gig this Friday. <laughs> Uh, I'm playing keyboards with Matt Friedman at the New Hope Winery uh, in New Hope, Pennsylvania. Um, but this time we're all vaxxed, and hopefully that will make a difference. Um, so uh, at any rate, um, again, safe, happy holidays. And I imagine I will speak to everyone in the new year. Um, uh, Brian Dale Allen Strauss and I have been trying and trying and trying to do an interview for this podcast and we keep failing but we're going to keep trying <laughs> to to make it happen we're dying to do this it's he's a fascinating guy he's a brilliant producer and um and we have very different points of view on production but i have this tremendous respect for him and his abilities and his points of view and so i think that is the best formula for a great conversation so we're going to keep trying to make that happen. All right. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Be well. <laughs>